Welcome to another episode of True North Nerds. Yay! This week, we are going to head to Gotham, where the biggest problem in 20 years is going to be CTE, and we're also going to cover the news. But before we get all into that, we have Kevin. Hello. We have Ryan. Hello. And uh, Jen is taking the week off because, and I quote, Fuck the Batman. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Jen did not care to see this movie. And part of a, part of the uh, the philosophy of the podcast is that we do things that are fun. So if somebody doesn't actually want to see a movie, we don't make them see a movie. So Makes um, sense. Except sometimes yeah. making them watch the movie is fun for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to start things off, a little bit of news on our front. Uh, as you may have heard a couple times, we now have a Patreon. Woohoo! Uh, as we described last week, or in case you're new to the show or any of that sort of stuff, um, the Patreon is essentially, it's all, the main reason we're doing it is to help cover the costs of the show. We're like hosting, and uh, various other little things that come up when you do a show like this. Uh, we license our theme song, so it's paying for that, stuff like that. We have no illusions that we are going to get rich doing this or even be able to quit our jobs to do this. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you can spare a, a couple bucks a month to help everything go along, anything extra is also going to go into the show, like if we cover those costs that I just mentioned. The the rest of the money is going to go into mics and cables and recording gear and convention tickets and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, as part of that, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash truenorthnerds and make your uh, pledge there. Much like uh, the three fine people who have already made pledges. Uh, Ryan, would you like to list off who those people are as our shout-outs start? Ah, uh, yes, these wonderful, handsome gentlemen. Um, first, we've had uh, a good friend of the show, Rex, has uh, has pledged uh, on our Patreon. Um, uh, another friend of the show, Gavin, has pledged. And then um, we have also have, uh, actually, uh, a gentleman that... Uh, this is, I guess, well, a friend of the show. Why not? Everybody's a friend of the show today. Uh, Mr. Yes. Mike Hammond has uh, pledged $3 to the show. So thanks, guys. I would hope that the people who pledge to us are friends of the show. I would hate to think our enemies are pledging to us. I'd love to think our enemies are pledging <laughs> to us. Yeah, all right. I'd love to think I have an enemy. <laughs> and I think Brent keeps cutting in and out. Nope, nope. I'm just being quiet. It's all well, good. It just sounded like you stopped in the middle of a sentence. Nope. 
Okay. I, I stopped because Ryan was talking. Oh, okay. I was going to walk. Right. I was going to run over him. Um, speaking of Ryan, that's me. Uh, we would uh, like to know what is in the news this week. I know it's not a heck of a lot, but uh, not a whole lot of news. But that's okay. You know, not every week can be like last time. Uh, where do we start? Let's start here. So we talked a lot about this last uh, episode, uh, the Doctor Strange two. Uh, and with the voice appearance of Patrick Stewart in the trailer and the speculation and what his role is. And, well, unlike some other actors, he has finally come out and confirmed, yes, that's me. I'm in this. I'm in the movie. Uh, from the sounds of it, he was very surprised at the, at the uh, reaction to the trailer. He uh, when it was released, he didn't have his phone on. I think it was, you know, I don't know if he was, you know, late evening or what time it was released originally. Uh, it wasn't until the next day when he turned his fo- checked his phone that uh, he it was blowing up with messages and retweets and stuff like that. And there was a message from uh, I guess one of his uh, people with a, like a, a clip of uh, a compilation, sorry, of people's reactions. And it's funny listening to him talk about it because he's like, yeah, you, you know, it's my voice that didn't sound, he's like, it doesn't sound like me. I wonder if I had a cold that day. And then it's like my earlobe and my shoulder and my head, but people could still tell it was me. And so, yeah, he was having a lot of fun with it. Now it doesn't mean it's Professor X. Could be Jean-Luc Picard. We don't know. Mm. Kevin gets his wish. That would be nice. I'd like to see Captain Picard in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that thought there, just something I noticed. I don't know if anybody else noticed it beforehand, and I'm just late to the you know, the party on this one. But seeing the trailer yesterday for the first time on the big screen, I noticed the person walking behind the, the, the silhouette, you know, walking behind the, the chairs, uh, they had what appeared to be a sword on their back, hmm. which I thought yeah, was it narrows down the uh, the characters from like two hundred to like forty five. Exactly, and most of the at least the old school Illuminati, none of them use swords or yeah. carried swords. So um, interesting. I thought you know it's like oh that's something I didn't notice before. Who knows, maybe Blade's part of the Illuminati because they've mixed it up a bit and they have, like, someone from the uh, the darker side of uh, the MCU on on the uh, committee. My guess would be Blade or Black Knight. So yeah. Those would be the two that I, like, right off the bat. They're already cast. They're already part of the MCU. And you can sort of work them in as like the supernatural representatives. Yeah. But because it's the multiverse, it could be a character that like, you know, an alternate version of. Oh, for sure. Any character, right? Like it, it could, could be, be a Iron Man, but he's a knight. Moon Knight. Oh, there you go. Moon yeah. Knight. Yep. Who knows? And so not even the, the version we're getting. Like it, it could just yeah. be some character that they've added a sword to. Maybe it's Tom Cruise, Iron Man, and he's like an actual like knight in the suit of iron, like from like could be. <laughs> anyway, mm. off of that, um, we got a new trailer for Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, did you guys see any of that? 
Marcy, yes, I think we, did. Were, we were sitting yes, beside you. Yes, we did, because yeah. we saw it yesterday. Yes, because before that you hadn't when I asked you about it, and then you did. I couldn't remember what... <laughs> then, other than Doctor Strange, I couldn't remember what trailers we saw yesterday. We didn't really see anything that, like, that we hadn't already seen. Yeah, there was the double That's going to be the, the drawback of... Yeah. The other one but, was like, that... I think uh, that trailer's been out for a while. No, the, the Dumbledore trailer... trailer sorry, go ahead, Kev. I was going to say the other trailer we saw was that for DC movie preview. Yeah. But the, uh, the Dumbledore trailer just came out this week. Oh. So it's, yeah, this was the, right. the last, of, like, the third trailer or something like that. It was like the newest one. That's why you feel like there's been others. Like, you've seen it, but it's because it's just yeah another trailer for the movie. But I uh, know this one we see Dumbledore and um, what's his name? The bad guy. The Flash. No, not the Flash. Oh, uh, Mads Mikkelsen as uh, the one you know, involved. Is that yeah, what his name is? Yes, Grimwald. You see, we see them fighting. So this could be like the big duel that's you know mentioned in the books and stuff is probably taking place in this this movie. I would imagine. And so, yeah, it looks like a Harry Potter movie. We'll see how this wraps up this franchise or this uh, trilogy, and so on. Um. Okay, here we got some wrestling news. I know we don't talk a lot of wrestling on this show, but uh, uh, Brent and I, we enjoy wrestling, and uh, there was a big announcement from AEW President Tony Khan this week. Uh, he purchased the uh, a competitive or competitor up to his uh, wrestling uh, franchise. He purchased Ring of Honor. Now, which we have had uh, one of their former world champions on this show. Exactly. As you say, Brent can tell us more about Ring of Honor than I can. Um, but at least, you um, know, of this purchase, the biggest acquisition was, like, the video history, the video library. Yeah. Because right? there's Which, currently uh, nobody under contract. Mm-hmm. And they weren't doing any shows or anything because the, um, their previous owners were kind of, like, had sh- pretty much shut- shuttered the uh, the brand. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Ring of Honor, like, for the most part, for it was the... The alternative to WWE when that was the only thing on television. Uh, it, it was more, I would like to say, mature based in terms of stories and characters. And the, uh, the wrestling was also a bit more evolved from what we were seeing on television at the time. It, it's a very important company in wrestling's, in pro wrestling's history in terms of like, you look at the first like five, six years and the guys who came out of Ring of Honor and became huge and are huge today. Like the, the biggest two you can look at right now are guys like CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Um, they were, that's where they got their starts and made their names. And it's, it's interesting to see that Tony bought the company, um, other than, it now gives them a lot of uh, back catalog to put together video packages. Like, you don't have to license these from another company now, because he has a lot of guys on his roster. I think it's somewhere around 40 who have appeared on Ring of Honor at various points. So, yeah, um, it's interesting. I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. Uh, I have attended... I think around somewhere around 10 Ring of Honor shows over the years, uh, oh, wow. in combination with New Japan. So it might be less than that. I might be 
I might be splitting them up in my head, but uh, yeah, it's the it's the Ring of Honor's the one and only time that I've seen wrestling in Maple Leaf Gardens. Kind of, sort of, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's oh, the people, new people revamped. think of Maple Leaf Gardens is like you think of the hockey arena that it was. Yeah. Or you think of the modern version of it, it is a Loblaws, I believe. It's, yes. it's one of the Western supermarkets. I think it's closing, But above actually. that, yeah, above that, Ryerson has a hockey rink. So that's where I saw the show. And it's the only time I've seen, <laughs> I, I've seen wrestling at Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, <laughs> so, uh, next, Ryan. Next. Um, okay, so we got an update on the, uh, on George Miller's Furiosa. Which is the, uh, I guess the upcoming sequel or prequel to, uh, Fury Road. Um, Chris Helmsworth is gonna play the villain. Yep. Hmm. And apparently it is a prequel. Cause I it's believe they've okay. also cast, uh, who Young Furiosa is. Okay, that makes sense. I did see something that said somebody else was playing Furiosa, which at first I was like, oh, why aren't they using the same actress? But then I was like, well, they've switched out Mad Max, why not switch out her? But if it's a prequel, that makes sense then. Yeah, um, it's, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, it's the, Anna Taylor-Joy is playing Furiosa in, in this version. Oh, okay. Uh, she was magic in New Mutants, and oh. she's been in a bunch of other things as of late. Uh, Chris Hemworth's in it, and, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who played Morpheus in the, the latest Matrix movie, and was Black Manta, um... Uh, yeah, yeah, I pronounce, uh, if I'm pronouncing the name, I feel really bad. Uh, yeah, Abdul Mateen the second is playing somebody in that movie as well. Interesting. Um, oh, here's some more news that Brent will find interesting. Uh, 20th Century Studio has tapped Fede Alvarez to write and direct a standalone alien movie for Hulu. Which is weird because they're also working on a TV series for Hulu. Mm-hmm. But I get, I'm guessing that they they want to get a bunch of projects out there, and that will, depending on how quickly they go with this movie, means they'll have like a Predator movie and an Alien movie within like a year or two of one another. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that Predator one, the new one, Prey. It's yeah, it sounds interesting. It's coming yeah. to Disney Plus, right? Um, maybe here it's, I believe it's Hulu in the States, but we'll probably get it on stars because that's anything that seems to be above like PG 13 rating. That seems to be where we get it. If it's a, yeah. like a Hulu exclusive or something like mm-hmm. that. So, um, uh, okay. So, uh, just, uh, yesterday I was seeing these reports of, um, I guess they're doing it of this word of an, I am legend sequel being worked on. Really? Um, with Will okay. Smith returning. I read that, hmm. too. And is co-starring Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'll be honest. How does that movie end? Because I, I believe I've seen both the regular cut and the director's cut. And I want to... And I've seen an ending where, like, there's uh, there's one where Will Smith lives, and there's one where I think he gets blown up. And I don't know which is the the theatrical version, which in theory would be the version they're going with, like yeah. timeline wise. Now, to be honest with you, I can't remember how he ends in the movie. I know that the woman and the child we see them drive and they find the sanctuary, 
that they were yeah. trying to find. Okay, I'm going to say I, that's the version where he gets blown up or something. Now, but here's well, here's the thing. They can always put it, you know, no body, no dead. Oh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> very, very true. I don't mind that movie. Yeah, no, it, it, was very, like it was a very decent part of time. Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the one, the only thing I don't like about it is that, um, it's the movie we got and not the Ridley Scott, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger version. Oh. They're all, it's, um, somebody, I, th- I want to say it's Joe Blow did a big video, uh, like has a series of videos on movies that never got made. And that, that's one of them. And you go through it and it, like it just, it came so close multiple times and just, I, I think it was the last draw was maybe the writer's strike or something. And that it just killed it, but it would, it, mm. it would have been very interesting to see. And it would have been a very different Arnold for that time period. Yeah. I think that movie is one of the biggest, real interesting things are the, uh, the the the, the made up movie posters. That's one of the yeah, first the, spots uh, we saw a Superman Batman movie poster. Well, that movie it, was in pre production at the time, and it fell apart after the movie came out. Yeah, it, that's a that's a case of them advertising something that never actually happened at the time. It was um. Oh, see, I didn't know there was actually a Batman Superman in production at that point. Oh well, it was in pre production, not even production. It was well, yeah, um. Wolfgang Peterson, uh, the guy who directed uh, The Perfect Storm, amongst okay. other things. He was directing it, and I want to say they had a Superman and a Batman cast for it, but I, it didn't It didn't get too far off the ground. Hmm. Uh, so that's coming to us. And then we have a couple more trailers. I finally watched the one you told me to watch, Brent, The Bubble. That's one of the ones I told you to watch. Yes, yeah. and then the other one's next. Um, so in case you haven't know what the bubble is, uh, Brent, uh, Kevin, did you see these movie posters for uh, what was it? It's um, it was a fake. It looks like a fake movie because it is uh, starring like Karen Gillan and David Duchovny and oh, no, it was, it was like a dinosaur-looking movie. No, this is. You didn't see that movie balance. poster? No. Oh shit! I have to look up what it was called. So that's what this movie. So this movie, The Bubble, is a movie about this cast making this sci-fi movie in a COVID bubble, and they all kind of start going crazy, and there's some hijinks and some drugs, and hmm. it just it looks like a fun movie. It's got a really good cast. I, all those I, I, will... I just mentioned are. Uh, I... Are in it, so yeah. It's um, a Judd Apatow movie. Oh. Yeah, and it's coming to Netflix on April first. April first, huh? Yeah, which is why it's funny that the the first ads for it were not even ads for the bubble, but for this fictional movie coming out on April first. Looks like fun, especially for like a Netflix movie. I'll watch yeah. it. Yeah, it's not going to cost me anything extra to watch it. Sounds good. And then the other movie Brent told me I needed to see the trailer for was called The Bullet Train. Um, have you seen that one yet, Kevin? No, I. this is new to me as well. 
Uh, that one I just saw this morning uh, before we recorded, but uh, um, it looks good. It's uh, Brad Pitt on a bullet train in Japan trying to get a briefcase and apparently so do a lot of other people. And there's guns and knives and violence all at a fast pace. Mm. So it looks entertaining. Uh, your thoughts, Brent? Uh, it, it's, it reminds me a little bit of Smoking Aces, which not some people don't like, but I really did. Um, it's going to be a comedic action movie. It's got a crap ton of evil in it. Like, you know, uh, what's his name? The guy who played Kick-Ass is in it. Brad Pitt's the lead. Sandra Bullock is, like, it, Brad Pitt's handler from On the Phone. Um, the, the guy who played, uh, is it Festus, Fetosis, uh, in Internals, he's in it. Um, the guy who played Storm Shadows in it. So it's, you know, it's got like, it's a nice ensemble cast and I like that type of action movie. Like, you know, the fun sort of jokey, lots of action sequences movies, but, uh. Might not be for everybody, but it, uh, they they definitely hit all my buttons, so I'm going to go see it. <laughs> uh, the fictional movie from the bubble is called Cliff Beast 6, in case you could come across that trailer or any of that in the news and you're wondering, what the mm-hmm. hell is this movie? And how do they get this cast in it? That's what it is. Or if you start wondering, what about 1 through 5, like I did when I first saw it? Uh, and that's hey. it for me for news. I know Kevin's got some news, though. Okay, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, there was some really big theme park-ish news this week, and that is that uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser at Walt Disney World, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, has finally opened. Uh, there was uh, one sort of cruise for, there was a media preview, so nobody actually paid to, to do it the first time. And then there have been... Yeah, we didn't get invited! We did not, no. And then there was a... Um, then the first group of paying guests have been through as well. Now, um, I'm sure you've all heard it's a very, very expensive proposition if you'd like to take this voyage. It's about mm-hmm. five, over $5,000 for a two-night cruise on the Star, on the star Cruiser. Uh, the, the reactions have been generally positive, actually. Um, they say that the quality of the theming is, is amazing. The food is fantastic. Um, the, there are some questions. The, the big question that everybody's asking is, is it worth it? And the response I'm hearing is, it is, but. Uh, if you are expecting a super luxury, if you're used to staying at super luxury high-end hotels, uh, this is the Disney version of that, and Disney has never been known for doing super luxury high-end hotels. Um, even their deluxe hotels don't have all the amenities that a five-star resort that's not Disney would have. So it's the same on the Star Cruiser. Uh, I'm also hearing that if you are more introverted, this is probably not a vacation for you. If you show up having sort of created a character for yourself and getting yourself involved in the storylines, you will have the time of your life because it really is a two-day-long LARPing session is what it is. Every single person who works on the Star Cruiser or that you will come in contact with when you're on your um, uh, your shore leave on Batuu, 
every single person will know that you're part of the Star Cruiser storyline and they will play into whatever storyline you've created for yourself. And you, uh, there are things that will happen to certain guests that won't happen to others because of the choices they make when they're playing the game. Um, the one review I heard said that he got himself worked into a resistance cell that was fighting to take down the First Order because, of course, the First Order shows up on the ship, right? And because of the choices he had made, he ended up in a very small group of people that got to have one-on-one interaction with Ray, who sent them on a mission that involved um, a, a hologram of Yoda. Uh, and he said most people didn't see that. The ten of us who were in that room got to see that. Now, you could also end up choosing to side with the First Order, in which case your missions will be totally different, and you could end up in a confrontation with Kylo Ren instead. Um, Chewbacca makes an appearance. Your favorite droids are there. So, um, And when you go to Batuu, um, you're given uh, front-of-the-line passes for the two Star Wars rides. You are allowed to leave the Star Wars part of Hollywood Studios and go on other attractions in the park, um, which you can make part of your Star Wars storyline as well. The one guy I listened to talk about it said that he went and visited Mickey and Minnie uh, at a character meet and greet and came back and told the people that were working on the ship that um, he had been to a part of the planet where the land was ruled by giant rodents. And they bought into it and kept kept going with that um, with that mm-hmm. storyline. So um, part of the reason it's so expensive is because it's filled with top notch performers, people who who are not just there to serve you dinner and check you into your cabin, but also um, interact and improv with you. So it does sound like an experience I would really like to have. I would want to go with the right people. Uh, I want to go with people who are willing to buy into it and that we could all split off and have our own missions and own fun and come back at the end of the night and um, uh, compare notes as to what happened. I, I just think it sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah, I just wish I could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> you and me yeah. both. Yeah, so it, it, it it's not cheap, but uh, I've seen price breakdowns. When you compare it, like if you were spending... Two nights at a Disney Deluxe Resort, uh, paying for all of your food, paying for park admission and front of the line passes, um, it works out to be about the same cost as if you were doing it at a, at a non-Star Cruiser hotel. Um, so uh, the only thing that's not included, of course, is alcoholic beverages. So um, I'd be drinking um, blue milk all weekend, I guess. So. Uh, yeah, but it does really, really sound fantastic. So um, cool. We'll see how long they can keep it up. I mean, this is your opening crew. They're super excited to be there. You're dealing with people who have paid premium prices to be the first guests to do it. So they may be more inclined to have a positive outlook on it. Uh, I'll be interested to see next year at this time if the people who are still going on it are um, are. Um, as enthusiastic as these, this first group of folks are. Well, I would like to see change. for me, I'd want to go the like the second or third year. Cause then they've yeah. worked out a lot of the kinks and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. right now everything's new and shiny too. Right. So, um, some of the highlights include, um, yeah. 
bridge bridge training. You get to go to the bridge and uh, help fly the ship. Uh, you get Sabek lessons. Um, there is an entertainer on the ship called Gaia, who, of course, um, is part of one of the factions. I'm not sure which one. And she's involved in several storylines. There are droids that um, wander around the ship. Um, yeah, so it's it's super uh, like a, I think the the whole thing sounds really interesting to me, especially like the theming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it looks fantastic. Um, the, the weird thing is you are sort of indoors all the time, um, except yeah. that um, uh, they do have they do have a um, an outdoor space, but they call it a simulation of outdoors. So if mm. you want to go out and get some fresh Florida sunshine, you can, but they, uh, <laughs> they, they claim it's, it's not real, but it is. It, so it's, it's very strange. Now, is there like a curfew? Like, do you kind of have to be in your room by a certain time or like, can you go no. out and wander the ship at, at, like late at night? So again, one of the one of the podcasters I listened to who talked about it woke up at three o'clock in the morning, got out of his room. Uh, he couldn't sleep. He got out of his room. He went down to the dine one of the dining halls, and the, there was still food available for him. So twenty four hours a day, there was food available for you. And uh, anybody who every single person who is working on in this complex is part of the storyline, and they will interact with you as if you are on a cruise ship in outer space. Huh. Well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like I get, like I said, like the only, the only sad part is for me is that like, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be able to afford it unless those Patreon dollars really kick up. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I still, Tell your like, friends, <laughs> I, I still hope that you, know, like, you would think that, you know, the people that are going to spend that money to go there, are looking for that experience or like our fans of star Wars that much that they're not just your casual fan. That's like, well, this is a star Wars thing. Let's drop five grand and then not be into it. Like I can see if maybe, yeah, like if the, if the, 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 the cast part of that side deteriorates over time, which you would think it's Disney. So they wouldn't let that happen, but you know, people have bad days. It happens. Mm. Um, but just you would like to think that if you're going to go there, you're going there to immerse yourself into all of it, or at least your kids are getting you know do it for your kid if you're bringing a kid or something. Yeah, but the, but the issue could become like you're bringing your kids, one super into it, and one is emo teenager. You know, that yeah. kind of thing can happen. Oh yeah, that can happen anywhere. That can happen to anything at Disney. Period. Super teenage, emo teenage kid may not be into any of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, family. Yay. Yeah. Kids, who needs them? Alrighty. Anybody got anything else? Not that I can think of. No, it, it was a pretty quiet uh, two weeks for news, which, like, considering the, the, the last week, we had, like, a ton of it, so. Yeah. So, with that being said, let's move on to Gotham City and our, uh, I shall say it now, spoiler-filled review of The Batman. Mm. 
which is, uh, let's see, who's in the main credits of this one? It's uh, directed by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, and starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, and Jeffrey Wright, amongst uh, many others. Um, this was definitely a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's, uh, okay, so I want to start with Kevin for two reasons. Uh, Kevin, we, you have spoken numerous times on this podcast about how you would kind of like a bright and shiny DC universe to a certain extent, not just all grim, gritty and characters that that. eat broken glass. Mm -hmm. But when, uh, we were exiting the theater yesterday, I overheard you say that you really, really liked this film. So what did you think of the Batman? I think as of this moment with one day's uh one day's thought into it, the Batman is my favorite Batman film. Oh, that's big talk. Ooh, I, okay, so I, to give us a comparison, what is your what was your favorite up until this movie came out? Probably Just so we Tim, know where how Batman. Okay. I just feel like Matt Reeves really got the tone perfect. Now, I know I've said I'd like a bright and shiny DC Universe uh, movie, which we've gotten with Shazam and with Wonder Woman and with uh, Suicide Squad to some um, extent. But he got they got the tone of Batman perfect in this film, I thought. This this wasn't a. Batman goes around breaking heads kind of film. This was no. a smart Batman, but not he was always a step behind in this. He was a young Batman who is learning but very smart. He used his brain as much as his fists. Um he didn't rely on crazy gadgets. He had um he had uh, uh an ally in Jim Gordon, who I thought was fantastic in this film, and with Selena Kyle, uh, I, I like that the way that that um, relationship was played. I just really, I I just really enjoyed this film, and um, for a movie that's almost three hours long, I did not get bored at any point during this film. I was with it from the start. Alrighty. Ryan, what did you think of the film? Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, like you've said, it was very Batman-y. Um, mm. I thought the action sequences that we did get, that the fighting, uh, the, the choreography was very reminiscent of the Arkham video game fights. Where it's like, at one point at the end there, when uh, when they're in the stadium, and there's all the shooters... Yeah. I just pictured myself those side games, like the little side uh, mission levels in Batman Arkham where it's like you got to sneak around and not get alerted, and then uh, you try to string together uh, con- you know, punches and kicks, taking out the bad guys as you go, and like stringing them up or doing it. And it's just like as I'm watching him, it's like, oh, wow, this is pretty much like right out of like one of those type of games where you, know, you, you, you grab the weapon, you punch him, you use the weapon to, to kick the next guy, and then you dodge a bullet, and you, this guy goes flying in one way. And uh, I thought that was really cool because it's realistic ish for a, a, you know, that type of, like, this type of world. It's not, you know, superhero fighting. And uh, I really, by the, you know, 
I became a real fan of the costume by the end of this movie. I really liked the look of it to the point where now I'm tempted to go and check out the action figure to see uh, how close it is to the film mm. because uh, I was just it it, it looked oh, well realistic again, but I mean it just it looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a full. It didn't look like it was one, like a one piece full body armor. It like was sectional. It made up like the like the chest pieces and then like the ab crunch pieces and all that all seemed to be pieces of armor that were there that were almost modular because there were some like gaps for flexing in between them. It wasn't like he was wearing a big rubber suit with bat yeah. nipples. And uh, his bat voice was pretty good. It was an interesting choice. Uh, not as gravelly as some other ones we've had, mm. but di- but different enough to be like, oh, maybe it's, you know, that I guess if you're not looking too hard, you can tell, you don't tell it's the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that it was, you know, distinctly put into as a year two story right mm-hmm. from the start. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's like, yeah, it's not full blown Batman who's done everything. It's Batman who's still, like like Kevin said, learning on the job. And I liked that. It was nice. So now this almost feels like, actually, this could have been that third movie we always joke about from the Nolanverse. Uh, a little bit, yeah. That it could have fit yeah. in there. In, in, well, yeah, you know, in between. Kind of the maybe sort of type thing. Like I like that he's actually the working with the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them don't want to, you know, as a vigilante, but it's like, you know, Gordon can walk him through onto a crime scene and, you know, they're not all just automatically trying to arrest him or think he's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, except for the ones that, you know, were on the take and stuff. And then seeing moving, what appears to be moving forward, you know, the thought that now he's come to realize that maybe he shouldn't be vengeance, that he should be more of a hope for the city mm-hmm. as a symbol. So I think mm-hmm. that could be, uh, Interesting in the sequel. If we get a sequel, oh, we're gonna I, get a I'm, sequel. I, I'm <laughs> sure we will. But they're doing two spinoffs already. Yeah, that's part of what. Like, uh, I heard about uh, one. Like, what are the what are the what are the two? One is uh, there. Right? There is a Gotham City Police procedural show. Oh, that's the one in works. And then there's the Penguin. And there's also been some talk about another like undisclosed one. So we'll Catwoman, we'll maybe. see. Well, it, uh, it depends on how everything shakes out for those other two shows, I would imagine, right. and for the sequel, right? Because they don't want to step on the sequel's toes before they get it sort of locked in what they want to do. Yeah. So I am. I've been thinking about this movie a lot. Uh, I would say, like in my ratings of. Of movie, like just looking at it in general, um, this is a very good Batman movie. I don't think it's great. Oh, uh, there's yeah. So here's the thing. There's and like it might be one of those things that I get more with the next time I see it. Like I do want to see this movie again, but it, like there is a lot that I love about this movie. And then there's other things in this movie that drove me nuts. <laughs> and Such as? Here's, here's, okay, so I love the, I think the cast was perfect. 
Like, I think the casting was great. All, all the acting from those actors was really good, with the exception of the Riddler at the end of the movie, I thought was a little too much. Like, I, I like, eh, I um, I like the fact that it's the, the year two Batman or maybe 1.5, like much like Ryan said, he's working with the police a little bit. Um, he is not the novice. He is not that we don't have to see his parents die yet again. We get a little bit of a reference to it, but not a huge mm-hmm. one for me. So it, it's hard for me to explain this. This was a three-hour movie that should have been a six-hour miniseries. And it almost even feels like it when you're watching it. Is there, to me, there is, like, distinct breaks of, like, oh, that's the end of the episode. Like, I think I think I would have enjoyed this much, much more if it was on HBO Max and a six-hour miniseries. Hmm. Um, Instead of the, like... It, I think as a three-hour movie, there's a good 20 minutes you could have cut out of this without any problem. Uh, the other thing that, like, and this is, like, this is a nitpicky of nitpicks, and I know that. And maybe when I watch it again, I'll be okay with it. I thought a lot, I didn't really like a lot of what I guess you would call the production design of this movie. I like the bat suit. I like Catwoman's costume, for lack of a better term. Um, the Batmobile and watching the movie actually also made the, the hobo Batman with motorcycle make much more sense is because the Batmobile wasn't even really ready yet. Right. He had to get around and he hasn't perfected the like swinging from building to building. So he just gets in kind of a disguise and drives around on a nondescript motorcycle. I, I kind of like that aspect, but the, a lot of the buildings in this, like the the buildings and architecture that they use and stuff is like we're going for Tim Burton Batman, but without the good lighting to make it look cool. <laughs> um, and for whatever reason, whenever they hit a building that was like that, it like the cathedral and like a couple other things, it uh, like Wayne Manor, it just I like like nobody would live here. At least in, like, the the Tim Burton ones, that they were well lit and they looked kind of cool. This just looks... Ah. <laughs> ha, have you been to downtown Cleveland? Well, gee, no. I, I stayed on the lakefront where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Hmm. I'm telling you, that, that is a typical American city, like East Coast American city. Yeah, it, it, yeah it felt real to me. Whereas well, the, the outdoor Burton, stuff, it was the indoor stuff that just felt like like they just didn't quite know what they wanted to do. But um and and finally the the Riddler's costume, they made it make sense at the end, but like the entire time is like, oh, this is what a sentient garbage bag looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the the full evolution of a of a like a Pokemon, <laughs> like that trash bag Pokemon into into what the Riddler was. Uh, other than that, like I like a lot of the other things in it. It's it's one of those things that like I thought this movie was very good, but it also makes me really hopeful for the sequel if and when they do one. Like there's all like 
you know, the first one, you're sort of getting your legs underneath you and figuring stuff out and getting your characters down. Second one is when you can, like, go kind of full bore into it more because you know more about what you're doing in this circumstance, in this world. So, like, it's I, I'm not one of the people who, like, thinks this is a piece of crap, but I also don't think it's the best Batman movie ever. Uh, I would probably, it, it, maybe this sounds hypocritical of me at this point, it would probably make my top five at least. Oh, oh, wow. It's not number one, but it, it would probably make my top five. It, I, it would make it, it would probably make my top three if we don't include animated. I, for me, like, the reason I ranked this one so high, I, I found the Nolan Batman movies to be slightly pretentious. Like, we're not just making a comic book film, we are making an art film with a, with a happens to have a, a, the Batman in it. And, um, this this movie felt like it was drawn from say 90s era batman comics like this felt like a storyline that could have come from the comics and it's obviously setting up a storyline from the comics and uh i i appreciated that i appreciated that it did it took the source material seriously but didn't um and didn't talk down to the comic bookness of the of the material. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the fact that it was, it was the, the detective Batman. Like yes. they had been saying that from the start and they weren't lying about it. It was we, this, um, like a lot of the things that we heard about this movie turned out to be like 100% accurate. Like the fact that it was going to kind of be seven, the, like the Batman version of seven. And I would say that is a really accurate description of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I should also say, do not take children to see this movie. It's what? What's it rated? Is it A? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, now, while someone looks that up, so remember I mentioned before in the news that they were they were fil- uh, they were going out with two different cuts, one with that one involving possibly the Joker and one without. Uh, this one that we saw is the one with the Joker in it. Uh, so the mm. director has come out and said that that's who that character is at the end. The, uh, the other inmate is, uh, I guess, I guess an early version possibly of the Joker. Uh, there was possibly, I guess, well, there was filmed another scene. Um, I guess there's this whole scene where Batman actually breaks into Arkham to confront the Riddler. That they, yeah, they just, they cut, they changed it to what we saw. And then that whole sequence at the end, it's in that, in that time we would have seen the Joker then too. But then when we, the way they've edited it, we did it and put him in at the end, uh, I guess they put that, uh, that ending that we saw and one without it to different audiences and the one we saw ended up scoring higher. People enjoyed the ending more with that extra sequence and that extra scene than without it. Hmm. I, I appreciated that we were just given sort of a nod to the Joker. We didn't need to see the Joker. I'm fine. I'm fine with a Batman movie that doesn't have the Joker in it. Exactly. Um, And by the way, the Batman in Canada is rated PG, which means you can take your 13 year old to see this film. You can take your kids to see this movie. Oh, there you go. I get it. It's not. A, yeah, I. 
I wouldn't. <laughs> well, there's, there's violence, like but it's teenage, not. Yeah, but the violence isn't like gratuitous violence. It's not. No, it's not like you see a lot of blood and gore. Hmm. It's not no. RoboCop. No. No. But even still, like uh, this is—it's not Terminator Two. And how old were you when you saw Terminator Two, Brent? <laughs> oh yeah, but I, I'm not sure I would let a child see Terminator Two when I saw it. I just had a cool grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like, and I—I I don't get the hate for this movie. I really don't. Um, even though, like, I, I've come down probably on the harsher side of the fence compared to the rest of us. And like I said, I I want to see it again, and that might have changed my opinion a little bit more. Like, but uh, on a whole, like, this this was solid. This is, And I'm really, really curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I, I was amazed at how much I liked Pattinson. I thought uh, I thought he was great. Um, oh yeah. Uh, other than so, here's another like it, it was definitely a costume and act, probably actor choice, but like I hate his haircut. I hated <laughs> it. Like it, like not because like I get he's supposed to be mopey and kind of depressed, but he definitely looked like a 35 year old man in a haircut meant for a teenager. Like you well, know what I mean? He's supposed to be really young too, right? So. No, well, no, he's supposed to be in his 30s. Like, he's, like, year two Batman, right? So, he's like, even maybe mid-20s. At yeah, I, like, I'd put him at, like, 27. No, no, one thing I remember I did read uh, when, or maybe it was on uh, one of those talk shows, uh, Pattinson mentioned, that, in talking with the director about stuff, that it was kind of like that uh, this Batman, when you, you know, the look and feel, and this will go where your haircut comes in, uh, he was thinking Kurt Cobain, uh, feeling of, yeah. uh, of mopiness and of attitude, uh, which is also why, the, you know, in which they, if you, at the beginning and the end, uh, they incorporated Nirvana songs. I believe they're yep. Nirvana. Yeah, they're not. They use something in the way, which is, yeah, it's something in the way, which is the last track on Nevermind. And, and uh, uh, it worked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the only thing I didn't like about the score was the, uh, as I said to you guys in the theater, it was like the main sort of Batman theme was like two notes off of the Imperial March. I thought so, too. I thought that at one point. I think this kind of sounds familiar. But... Uh, if, if with, you know, with his look and feel, like we didn't give a lot of Bruce Wayne being Bruce Wayne no. in this movie, or at least pretending to be Bruce Wayne at, like, events, other than uh, his appearance at the funeral. Yeah. And then his confronting but, the mob see, that's one of the things I liked about it, is they yeah. explain that. Oh, exactly. And it's like they, they, like, they, and not like an in-depth thing, like there's little bits here and there, is like, he's not using the Bruce Wayne persona yet. Exactly. Like That's he, he's still, like Batman is the main goal. Mm-hmm. That's it, it, who he is at this point. But he hasn't gotten to to like he has to carry some sort of balance in order to fuel this path of justice, right? And I I like that. Like it, like just the little things like when um Falcone at the funeral, uh, also excellently played by John Turturro, I might add. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
Falcone at the funeral says, oh, look, it's the only guy in Gotham more reclusive than me. Like, it, yeah, like exactly. it's like, oh, yeah, that's it. He's not making public appearances and shit. He's like, he it's is not basically, Playboy Bruce Wayne. Well, between that and like, we don't know for a fact, but let's just assume it's they used kind of the comic book origin and he went off for at least a couple of years to train in his teenage years. Right. Yeah. Like, so he disappeared off the map. And then he came back, but he's still sort of like a ghost, basically. Yeah. And I, and I like the fact that, like, not only is that how they're playing it right now, is they explained it. And they didn't, like, they didn't have to spend an hour on it. They did it with two kind of quick things, and that was it. Yeah. Um, Andy Serkis as, uh, as Alfred, also bringing, like, a, a bit of a different tone to it, which I, I liked. Like, this is an Alfred who's dinged up from whatever was going on in his past, right? With He's using a cane for the most part, but he's still very knowledgeable and stuff. I I, I liked his portrayal, but as uh, Jen and I were talking, there hasn't been a bad Alfred. No, no. that's true. It's, it's one of those characters that, for whatever reason, they seem to keep nailing the casting, re- like, really, really well. I I just like it. I, I hope this leads to sequels and spinoffs that are like take the lessons that they learn from this and just keep going. Like there's cer- certain things like I kind of want to see like uh, the like uh, Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman uh-huh. do uh, Selena's big score that uh, Darwin Cook graphic novel. Oh, that'd be good. I, like, I would like to see that. Like, and like, there's ways you can use those characters. And now, once, like, sort of outside of the Batman universe, like, or at least outside of this universe is Gotham, and do different things with them that we haven't seen before, and it, it, expand the DC universe a little bit more into different areas. That'd be good. Agreed. Yeah. I think that. Um... If you know, if we do get sequels going forward, the whole uh, was it was it the revival was that was the, uh, the 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 thing his parents had put in place that was the you know that all the, everybody mm-hmm. was using ex- to do stuff except for what it was meant for. Yeah, because it had no oversight. I could see that being now that he's found this out, being one of the drivers towards the Bruce Wayne persona being more. Active. Yeah, active or out out in the Mm. city and stuff, doing things. When he realizes that he needs to, you know, that his Bruce Wayne side, like the Wayne family side, can do good in the city too. Yeah, yeah, and like like reading about the the police procedural show is it sounds like it's much more like Gotham Central than Gotham was, which Mm. uh, like I'm down for that. Especially since it, 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 but the description that Wikipedia gives is that the plan is that it's going to be the Batman's first year of being Batman from the cop's point of view of having to deal with it. So, like, Batman won't be a character per se, but he will be kind of a driving force in the show. Mm, Okay. Which, which is pretty cool. cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, prequel to this movie, definitely. Yeah. Any uh, wishes for the sequel for this, now that we've seen the first one? Well, I mean, major spoiler here, but it ends with a major disaster happening in 
in Gotham. So if they take their cues from Cataclysm, uh, I think uh, we've got a good a good basis for a, a sequel. Mm. But that's if the sequel picks up right off with this one. Well, I guess oh, it's going to take some time. They've got to um, rebuild the city. Right? Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that storyline. So or that story arc. It was an earthquake, wasn't it? But isn't uh, that the same thing that happened with No Man's Land? Uh, I want to say Cat- Cataclysm is the kickoff for No Man's Land. Yeah, like Cataclysm is the before No No Man like is the first chapter, and No Man's Land is kind of the second chapter. But I could be wrong. Precisely. Oh, okay. No, No Man's Land is the aftermath of the Cataclysm. Okay, sounds good then. Um, are we gonna get any follow up to what this mystery syringe was that happened to glow a little green? that he uses when he uh, needs a little kick. I was going to bring that up too. So the prevailing sort of ideas is it's one of two things. It is an adrenaline shot that he gave himself to give him like a bit of a boost and get back into the fight. But due to kind of the rage that he sort of has, the rumor has been floated around is it might be a prototype for uh, Venom, which we know Bane uses. Yes. Which well, he was also a key player in Cataclysm and No and No Man's Land too, so that could, uh, mm. you know, if he shows up, that could be interesting. Now, let let me throw this at both of you guys: Is this version of the Batman? How far can you go with the villains before it doesn't work? Um, Batman is an interesting character in the fact that, like his villains are sort of like grounded in two sort of zones. They are psychopaths with knives for the most part, or they're like super science batshit crazy things like, uh, like killer croc man bat, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze. You can, you could almost throw Bane in there a little bit, depending on what version of him you want to do. Like, do you keep this just with like those sort of street level villains and like maybe upping the ante with what they're, what damage they're kind of causing? Although the Riddler did a pretty good job of causing damage in this movie. Or do you think you could expand it to like characters like Mr. Freeze? Hmm. Good question. Um, I think you can get to F- Mister Freeze, but eventually, and it would have to be like there'd have to be some other things happening. Uh, maybe if they show this as expanding into a greater DCU uh, of their own, which I don't think they plan on doing. But no. you know, if maybe you get a you know, do you see a newspaper in a in a, in a, in a newspaper box with uh? That's from, you know, uh, with the headline, you know, it's a bird, it's a plane, and a blurry picture or something like that, right? To allude to a, a larger universe, which mean, doesn't mean that, you know, that Superman shows up in the movies at all, but mm. just to kind of put that out there. But mm. um, Joker, you could do. He's just a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. No, um, they've done, you know, this one was very mob heavy. Um you could do some like the some of the tech based villains easy enough like Firefly, uh, yeah, things like that. You know, it's been proven that you know like the MCU has pro- proven that you can make tech stuff work. Yeah, but the MCU is much different than 
this Batman yes, world is. As long as you make, because even now, like you know, there we do know there are people that have jetpacks. There are working jetpacks and working prototypes out there that make yeah. people. That, so you could just, you know, you step that up another level, and you have Firefly, which is what they're doing in the Batgirl movie or the mm-hmm. HBO show, right, or movie or whatever it is. Killer Croc, that's a little tough, because then you get into the whole, or even you want to talk about tough Clayface. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like like uh, like any of these monster villains, like I said, it's like if you look at his rogues gallery, it really divides down between like psychopaths and super science creatures, right? Like Killer Croc, Man Bat's a a prime example. Um, you know, uh, there's like I said, Bane is kind of the one character that you could go either way with, depending on how you want to do him. Yeah. Um, but I think you could I, get I, away with a version of Poison Ivy, just without the plant control stuff. Yeah. I, I she, think Mad Hatter kind of fits into that, too. Yep, because that's all just, you know, tech, brain con, you know, control stuff, yeah. You could work, you know, you could see him working. I'm just I, I'm, I'm looking at my Arkham Asylum uh, shelf right now to try to see which villains I think can work, and and there's a lot of them that can't. <laughs> the scene where um, uh, he had to stick his hand in the cage that had a bat in it, um, I had a flash for just a moment of Man Bat, and I know that Man Bat is probably never going to show up in uh, uh, in a in a Batman film, but. Um, it could be interesting. Yeah, oh, see, yeah. it's that's I, I think that's the one of the shames that uh, Affleck's Batman didn't get off the ground in a lot of ways is because I can totally see because of how they set up the the greater DCU, I can totally see Affleck's Batman like just like at the start of a movie, like it opens with like the credit. Well, like a the Batman or whatever, and then it's like you see Man Bat flying around, and Affleck's Batman's like punching him in the back of the head. <laughs> like I can, like I could see like those monster ones working much better in in theirs, but the, it's a very different tone, right? I'm just kind of curious how far if you were in charge of this, do you do you go with it? Because mm-hmm. I think that's that's partially what happened with the the original 89 started series of Batman films is they they kind of went too far in into the comic book side in in a lot of ways and then you got like Batman and Robin with Mr. Freeze just throwing out fucking ice puns every 2 minutes I think they've got lots of places to go lots of lots of oh, definitely. To play. I just hope that they use people that they haven't necessarily. You know, don't reuse those same ones you've already used, or if you do, do it I, a different way. Like, I don't want to see Roz show up again. In, I like, don't want to. Like, honestly, in a lot of ways, it's kind of a bummer that the Joker showed up. I yeah. know it's kind of an inevitability, but like, if if it were me, yeah, have this cameo, have maybe starting more ideas with him, like have him run around in the background of the next one, but don't have him show up for like till movie three or four. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. 
because they they that gang that you see them with the face paint. I, when we saw them in the trailers, I assumed okay, well they're they're like a Joker gang, or at least people yeah. that like the Joker or something because they're you know face the white face paint. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you continue that kind of thinking or that you know do something like that, where you know, okay, oh there's a a breakout at Arkham here or something, he gets out, whatever, but it's not the main story of the next movie. Maybe it's something, you know, one of those things where you see, you know, Batman's looking for him, but it's the Joker. He, you know, just because he escaped doesn't mean he's going to go ahead and do stuff right away. You know, he's been on the loose quite often and not be doing anything because he's just laying low, planning his next thing. Do you, do you give any credence to the theory that maybe the kid who was in that gang at the beginning might become Robin? I, that was my first thought when they kind of showed him, and it like it's a good way of. It, I hate the the sound like it, but it's a good way of keeping the cast diverse, which I think that this film did a really good job at. Like, because mm-hmm. um, so I I'm not sure if it was Jeffrey Wright or Matt Reeves, the the guy who wrote and directed it, um. Somebody mentioned in like a press junket, like, oh, he's going to be the first African American, uh, Jim Gordon. And the, the thing about it is somebody replied back with it is like, there is, yeah, why not? Cause there is nothing in like Jim Gordon's past or credits or skill set or anything else that says he can't be a black guy. Exactly. Yeah. And and then you put a really good actor in it, like Jeffrey yeah. Wright. Oh, he was great. It works really. Oh, he was fantastic. That's a, that's the one thing I can't say anything against this movie is I think the casting and the actors in it did fantastic jobs from like top to bottom. Colin Farrell is fucking amazing, and yeah, he's in it for like really what is. maybe ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Like the Penguin's really not in this movie that much. And he does a fantastic job. And, like, quite frankly, if you hadn't, like, if I didn't know it was Colin Farrell going into this movie, I would have had no idea. Oh, no, for sure. Like, I might have thought it was Joe Pesci underneath all that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, side note, I highly recommend people check out uh, Colin Farrell's appearance on Hot Ones this week, promoting the movie. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> was, saw him a clip of him on uh, on uh, James Corden where he's there with Patrick Stewart. It's quite, that's quite interesting too. Yeah. He, um, it's interesting. He, he talks about on Hot Ones, one of the things that he, because when he was working on the Penguin and the part and stuff, he thought the, the makeup and everything would be limiting to him as an actor. Like he would have to find ways around it. But he found that it was actually quite liberating for him because at the end of the day, he couldn't see himself, like his face in the character, which meant he was willing to take more risks and like just stretch it out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And he has, he also had an easier time like watching himself, which you hear from some actors. Uh, what's his name? Mickey Rourke, when he played Marv in Sin City, said like it was the first movie of his he had been able to sit through without, like, nitpicking everything about it, like, his part in it, because he couldn't see himself in the character. Interesting. Yeah. 
So I would say uh, across the board, we all liked it. Uh, I liked it less than the other two guys, but have very high hopes for the future now that I've seen it. And like, and my opinion might change the next time I see it too. Like I'm willing to say there's other things that maybe like once I see it again, I might be more along the lines of liking. But um, that brings us to the end of this episode. And Geek Fix, who wants to go first? I'll go first. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so I finally uh, decided to give a shot to a new show. Ooh. And I started watching Bel Air. Oh. The new dramatic retelling of Fresh Prince of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and uh, it's actually you know what it's enjoyable. Uh, it's very different. Uh, I compared it, I think when I was talking to you, Brent, I was kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, you watched 66 Batman, and then you watch Nolan vs. Batman, and how big of a shift it is from one to the other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in this, you have Will, he's, you know, hot shot high school basketball player in, in West Philly, and him and his buddy end up getting in, getting into a little scuffle on the basketball court after a little two-on-two match, and this drug dealer thinks that they threw a basketball at him when it was actually one of the drug dealer's you know, minions that did it, and they start beating down Will and his buddy, and Will pulls a gun out of his buddy's backpack and fires it off into the air to kind of to get you know to save his buddy's life. And, of course, the cops show up because there's been gunshots, and he gets arrested, and he gets you know, taken away. Uncle Phil pulls some strings to get him out of out of jail without you know seeing a, without seeing a judge or anything, and his mom ships him off to Bel Air. And once we get out there, there's some very interesting takes on on all of your familiar characters. Uh, the uh, Jeffrey, the butler, is not a butler; he's a house manager. Uh, on this show, which makes sense. It would be much more than just one person taking care of them, a big house for this rich family. Uh, and he kind of like manages the, the household. Uh, the, the oldest cousin, uh, what was her name? Hillary. I remember Hillary. Thank you. Is a budding, uh, influencer. She's t- doing her own, like trying to do her own, like YouTube cooking influencer stuff. The uh, Carlton's a bit of a douchebag, but he's like big man on campus at his school, like, you know, the student body president and all star on the lacrosse team. And so, you know, him and Will, uh, the dynamic between them is quite interesting, very much unlike the show. Uh, they butt heads quite a bit. And then Uncle Phil and, and, uh, and the aunt are uh, pretty interesting as well. He's running for, um, for DA, Los Angeles District Attorney. Yeah. It's, he's in the running for that, and so Will shows up in the middle of his uh, politicking and stuff, so there's going to be uh, issues with that, and uh, there's only been three episodes, but it's been uh, it's been pretty good. I, mm. Actually, you know what? I, I kind of look forward to seeing the next episode, so it's got me hooked on. I hooked into it to watch it, so I'd say I'd go out there. If you were a fan of The Fresh Prince back in the day, yeah, sit down and give this a shot. Cool. Interesting. Gavin? Um, so you know how much I love my lists and my checklists and stuff like that? I have found a website that is <laughs> every Marvel comic in reading order. 
So guess who started reading Marvel Comics from Fantastic Four number one, 1963? Oh, um, okay. So it, it, what, what's that, Brad? No, go ahead, Brad. Uh, I, 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 I probably got the same question as uh, Ryan or the same statement. Um, so it, it's the start of the actual Marvel era. So not... Yes. It doesn't include the World War II versions of Captain America or Namor or Human Torch and stuff uh, like that. There is an expanded version of the list that does. I am reading the um, the the base version, which is yeah. still um, that's a lot of comics. Twenty thousand comics, yeah. <laughs> um, so I get the co- I, I look at the checklist because uh, you can you can have your own profile and you can check things off as you read them. And um, I go to Hoopla first to see if the comics are there because they do have quite a few of those like Marvel Archive uh, trades there. Yeah. Um, and if I can't, there are there are ways to read old comics online. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm currently reading uh, a lot of Thor, like very early Thor. Um, and uh, there's a lot of setup. And because of the nature of comics in 1963, um, every every issue has the same setup. Oh, we got to tell you that Dr. Donald Blake found this cane that he, when he strikes it, he becomes the mighty Thor. And if Thor doesn't touch his hammer for 60 seconds, he loses his Thor powers and goes back to being Dr. Donald Blake. Like that is in every issue. Uh, and it's, and it's the same for Hulk. Um, the, the first run of Hulk was not very successful. It only ran six issues. And, um, Hulk was a, like Hulk only came out at night in that first run of, of Hulk comics. Um, so, uh, I'm learning a lot about the, the, the beginnings of the Marvel universe and I'm having fun doing it. So yeah, the website is, um, is, is called the CMRO, the complete Marvel reading order. Um, if you do a Google search for that, you shall find it because it's the, the URL is a bit weird. But um, it's I'm having fun with it, and that's all that matters. Damn it! So since you're saying this reading order, are there times where you'll be like in the middle of one story of like Fantastic Four, and then have to jump over and read like something else, or is it only go like by arc? Um. So I'm at a place right now where every issue is pretty much standalone. Um, so it's sort of, you're, you're sort of reading things, um, in, um, in just sort of release order, but it does get to a place where, um, where it'll tell you to read an arc of a storyline before moving on. Uh, for example, uh, I am looking at page, uh, 1,886 in the reading order. They, they only put 10 or 15 issues per page. So this is, um, uh, in two, 2017. Uh, and it's, it's like from the beginning here, it's two issues of Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme and then a five issue run of Squirrel Girl and a seven issue run of Ben Riley Scarlet Spider. And then it jumps back to Hawkeye number five. So wow. they, they've done some work. Okay. To put things into order. But, uh, when I'm back here at pages one, so I'm on currently on page two. Of this, uh, of this whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, it's 
It's Incredible Hulk 3, Fantastic Four 6, Tales to Astonish 35, Journey into Mystery 85, Fantastic Four 7, Strange Tales 101, Tales to Astonish 36, Journey into Mystery 86, Strange Tales 102, Incredible Hulk 4, Fantastic Four 8, Tales to Astonish 37, Strange Tales 103, and Fantastic Four number 9. Those are the 15 comics on page 2. Cool. So they've done a lot of work. This guy also has has uh, reading orders for DC Comics, but they're still working on that, and it's it's like the really old 1930s DC Comics is where he started, and they haven't even gotten up to the Silver Age yet uh, on it. They, they have a Star Wars reading order, if you would like to read all the Star Wars novels and movies and TV shows in order. There's a Star Trek order, a Doctor Who order, a Buffyverse order, an X-Files order, a Marvel Cinematic Universe order, uh, a Law and Order order, a Dragonlance <laughs> order, and an NCIS order on this page. So, wow, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, it's it's uh, the complete Marvel reading order. All right, for mine, I'm going with an action figure. Uh, our good friend Snowhawk cosplay over at uh, Tales from the Collectorverse picked me up a Phantom action figure from. Uh, so m- there's a couple different versions of it. Mine is more inspired by the pulp, like, uh, cart- comic strip version. And I just love it so much. So this is a <laughs> NECA release, right? Yes, it's a NECA release. And it's the, this, I think it's the second or third release. Cause the first one ties in with that 90s cartoon, uh, Defenders of the Universe, Defenders of the Planet. Something like that, where it was yeah. all the King Features comic strip characters uh, animated fighting for against Ming the Merciless and the Martians, I I, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's outside of, uh, like, it's perfect for me. It's the, like, uh, I don't see how you could do one better outside of us getting, like, a movie version with a Billy Zane head. I, I would definitely pick that up. So, yeah, that, that is... My pick for the week, if you can find one, uh, Ed picked it up for me in the States, so I haven't seen any up here yet, but that doesn't mean that they won't pop up at some point. I think some uh, collector's shops have uh, have started uh, mm. carrying them. Just not uh, any, I don't think any of our local shops have, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you, found, if you went and found them at Gotham. Oh, at uh, Gotham Central? Yeah, yeah that, I think that, I saw, that would be a place I, where you might dig them. I think I saw may have seen the carded one on their website. Oh, cool. Uh, so that's it for this week. Oh, action figure fell off my desk. Ah. <laughs> it was Legion. Um, Nobody likes you, Legion. <laughs> uh, next week, uh, or well, in two weeks, not quite sure what we're doing, but there, there's a couple of movies coming out in between, so... Uh, that we, there'll probably be a movie or TV review in there somewhere. But, uh, until then, uh, let's start with Kevin. What you plug in this week? Um, we got, uh, Stage Whispers is coming out regularly, which is exciting because live theater is back and I'm working on a play right now. So that's very exciting. Uh, and Galaxy Class is, um, up and running too. Um, and uh, all four of our, our Galaxy Class hosts are going to the Star Trek Mission Chicago convention uh, next month in April. So we're all very excited to actually see each other in person. So um, looking forward to that. So give us a listen on uh, 
on Galaxy Class as well, if you like Star Trek The Next Generation. Ryan, what's going on with you? Uh, you can find me over at uh, on Instagram at Tales from Collectiverse, where uh, where Ed and I post uh, pictures of our new toys, anything we find and buy and collect or are looking for, and then um, yeah, you can also listen to us once a month on Tales from the Collectiverse right here on this very channel. Cool as always. Uh, me, uh, there's two things that I'm I'm on. You can find me on the dark side, uh, part of the Black Donnelly Radio family. Just go to Mixcloud and look up the dark side, and uh, new episodes uh, will be appearing on a somewhat regular basis every Thursday or so. Uh, unless I have technical problems with my internet, which seem to be uh, floating around between. Uh, Ryan on high this uh, week. And, um, the other thing that I'm working on is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash True North Nerds. Uh, I said in the last episode that I'm going to kind of make that the home for my nerd writing for the foreseeable future. And I've got an article that will be appearing. So the show goes up on the Monday. So the article itself should be on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I'm focusing on nerd stuff that I love. I figure focus on the positive. And uh, the first one is going to be about the uh, samurai film series of Zatachi, which is like over 25 films that uh, I rather enjoy and have recently started re-watching. I'm on number five. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what's up with me. Um, so in, uh, in two weeks, tune back in. If you have a couple bucks, uh, throw it at our Patreon. But, uh, regardless, I uh, hope everybody out there listening is, uh, doing well and continues to do so in the future. So, uh, see you later, everyone. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. 